Uh, so good to be with you all again uh, this morning. And I really am enjoying this uh, line of fellowship that we're in. You know, this is very crucial uh, to see the, this matter of our salvation. And, and like, uh, like uh, Matt shared last week, God's full salvation. So there's two parts of that, right? There's the judicial aspect of it, the judicial redemption part. And there's the organic salvation part. All right. And some of us may be familiar with one or the other. But the truth of the matter is we need both. And they're equally important. There's none that is less or none that is more. Uh, we, need the we need to see the preciousness of God's blood. Uh, many of us have grown maybe uh, in, in our different environments in Christianity and heard about this matter. But there's, there's something deeper that we need to uh, understand about the preciousness of the Lord's blood. And we hope that next week we would get into the second aspect of our salvation, which is the organic aspect which allows us to live the Christian life in a daily way, uh, that there's a much more salvation, right? But we cannot get to the organic aspect unless we are fully clear and we know uh, what really is the blood of Christ and what, what did it do and how, did it, how do we apply it? How do we apply it to our circumstances today? Because uh, this is a big matter. So we want to see it. And I'll, I appreciate the matter of the group time too, so I want to try to keep my speaking short so that we can we can spend more time in the groups and, and fellowship this together because your portion is so important. Uh, you have a portion in the body of Christ and exercising your portion allows all of us to grow together. So I would say, however, that uh, I like it when our, when the students, uh, anyways, those of you that have taken my class, you'd know this, that I, I like it to be interactive. So I want to call on you to share some verses uh, Daniel nodding his head there because I'm always calling on people in my class. <laughs> so be ready with your Bibles. I'm going to call on you to share a verse. And if you need to look it up uh, online, please do so. Uh, Joseph or all of you all just have some, have a Bible ready or you can look it up online. It wouldn't take too long, but I'd like for you to read some verses as we get into this. All right. So we need to see why do we need the blood of Christ? I think in general, we know the concept that the blood of Christ washes away our sins. Okay, that's true. But we, just as we need certain basic elements for our uh, physical life, such as food, water, and air, we need some basic elements for our spiritual life. And one of those basic elements is the blood of Christ. It's very precious. It accomplished the way for us to enter into God's presence. So we really need to see what, what happened here. Uh, we realize that we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, right? We all have this realization, but we are still living in a, in the sort of in the fallen human realm. Uh, and we deal with certain things in this human realm. Um, essentially, we have three problems. We have a problem with God. We have a problem with ourselves. And then, of course, Satan. We have a problem with Satan. So typically with God, when we sin, we sense a separation from God. We sense a separation, right? And then within ourselves, we feel guilt. You know, you sin, you just feel guilty within yourself. So you're separated from God. You feel guilty within yourselves. And then our, uh, our enemy, Satan, uh, comes in to do what? He comes in to accuse, right? So we sense accusation from Satan. So we have these three problems. We are, you know, we're doing great. And then all of a sudden we sin. And then what happens? 
we're separated from God, we start to feel guilty, and Satan accuses us. Okay, so this is our condition. Uh, if we stay in that condition, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. If we stay in that condition, we're in trouble because we we don't have a way out. And so as a result, we all are just, you know, in a very pitiful condition. We sense a lot of depression, anxiety, uh, maybe even darkness all around us. We feel like a dark cloud upon us. All right. That's our condition. We all are experiencing. No one is, uh, no one is, you know, exempt from it. We all are in that same position. You and I are in the exact same position. So let's just dive straight into these three matters. All right. Uh, how about we start with Daniel Godey? Uh, could you read Isaiah 59.1 uh, related to the matter of our being separated to, from God? You know, we are separated. We want to see the Bible, right? The Bible needs to show us this, these matters. We're not just pulling these matters out of thin air. This is based on the word. So what does Isaiah 59.1 say? Isaiah 59.1. Now behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot serve, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. And verse 2. Oh, yeah. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. It made a separation between us and God. Okay, so consider the Garden of Eden. When the, the Lord was in the Garden of Eden and Adam fell and he sinned, he and his wife sinned, um, what was the first question that the Lord asked as soon as that happened? Because they went and hid, right? They went and hid. God is omniscient. He knows all things. So he obviously he knows what they did. But anybody remember, what is that first question that the Lord asked in the Garden of Eden? Where are you? Where are you? Exactly. Uh, Daniel, why, why didn't he ask, what did you do? What did you do? He didn't ask him that, that question. Even though he knew the answer, he knew they fell. He knew they committed sin. question he asked was not, what did you do? He asked, where are you? Where are you? So obviously this, is, this causes separation between us and him. So we don't want to be separated, right? But the Lord, according to his righteousness, will not tolerate sin. He can't. Uh, you know, uh, Carlos Joseph, he loves you dearly. He loves you every hair on your, on your body. He loves, but his righteousness is higher than his love. It has to be. His throne is built on righteousness. So he can't go against that. Okay. So what do we do for, for God to come and for that separation to be dealt with? Sin has to go. Sin has to go. This is why the Lord died on the cross because of the separation. He does not want to be separated from us. He wants to be one with us. There's no way. Because the Bible says without, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, sorry, there's no way. Satan taught he, he won when he caused man to fall. Oh, I, I got man to separate from God. Praise the Lord. Praise him. <laughs> but actually what happened was God himself said, all right, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do this. I'm going to die the perfect death. And I will pay the price for man. Okay, so no amount of prayer, no amount of weeping, no amount of I will do better God, none of that will work with the Lord. What he wants is the blood. Okay, um, how about Sam Bolton? Could you read Exodus 12, 13? Uh, while he's looking that up, you know, this is the story in Exodus when the Lord sent the 10 plagues. And uh, the last plague was the plague of the, of the uh, death of the firstborn son. 
right? And so we have to see this matter because the blood is not for us. Be clear. The blood is not for us. The blood is for God. You see, the Lord needs to see the blood. We don't need to see the blood. Sam, do you have that? Yep. It says, and the blood shall be a sign for you upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And there will be no plague upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Okay. Sam, can you tell me what it says about who sees the blood? When who sees the blood, I will pass over you. It says, when I see the blood. When I, this is Jehovah speaking, when I see the blood, not when you see the blood, but when God sees the blood. So when, when the angel of death came and he saw the blood on the doorpost, he passed over. The people in the house did not see the blood. They were in the house. They couldn't see the blood. The blood was on the doorpost on the outside. So the blood was for God to satisfy his righteousness, not your righteousness. Now, it's not for you. It's for him. So when he sees the blood, he passes over. It doesn't matter who was in the house. It could be anyone. It could be the vilest sinner. But it didn't matter. The Lord didn't go inside the house. Okay, are you guys behaving well? Are you all good, doing well? He didn't check their behavior. He just said, he didn't even go in the house. The angel of death did not go in the house. He just saw the blood. Okay, good enough. That's the blood that I'm looking for. All right, I'm going to pass over. So this should show you that it's not about your good behavior or, or this or that. It's, it's God's righteousness is paid for the blood. All right. Um, and so we, when we sense the separation from God, we have to simply do what? Just confess our sin. Confess the sin, claim the precious blood of Christ, and move on. Okay, Carlos Garcia, could you read 1 John 1, 9? 1 John 1, 9. So again, while he's looking that up, when we sense separation from God, we should simply confess our sin, okay? And believe that the blood of God has cleansed us from that sin, and it will be applied to it right away. All right, Carlos, you have that? Yeah, if we admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Continually. It doesn't say once and once you only have one chance, you do it again and you're in trouble. No, continuously, daily, every day, every second, every moment. Right. This is what happens. All right. The second point is guilt in our conscience. How many of you don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us bear the shame and guilt every day because we fail, we fail, we sin, we, we have guilt, right? We deal with guilt. All right, so what is guilt? Guilt is like a stain on our conscience. It's like a stain. So when, you, when you're eating some dinner and you, you, know, you stain your shirt, uh, you know, you, the, you, so you, had a, you did a mistake, right? You committed a sin. Right. So once you once you get rid of it, the stain's still there and you see that stain and you what happened? You say, oh, it reminds you. It reminds you of the fact that you committed a sin. Right. So it's like that in our conscience. Right. And the more that happens, the more your conscience gets more and more murky, more stains, more stains. And you just can't see clearly, which is why we need confession. Right. You can't get rid of the stain. Nothing in the world can get rid of that stain. You can try a nuclear bomb and it won't get rid of that stain. The only thing that will get rid of the stain is the power is the blood of Christ. Right. Uh, so consider a traffic ticket. For example, you get a traffic ticket. You broke the law. Right. You went over 35 miles an hour in a school zone or something. <laughs> you got a traffic ticket. You broke the law. Right. Uh, you have to pay a fine and then you get a copy of that ticket. Okay. 
Well, the, the blood of Christ uh, is like that. It paid the price for that fine. You're no longer, you don't have to pay that fine because Christ applied his blood to that fine, right? But at the same time, you still have this copy of the ticket. And when you have that copy, it reminds you, oh, yes, I did break the law. But once you confess your sin to the Lord, you can just tear up that ticket and throw it away because it no longer exists. The price has been paid. When you go to the court and you pay that bill, you pay that fine, doesn't matter that you have that copy anymore. No longer doesn't matter. You just tear it up, throw it away. I don't I don't keep any receipts anymore of tickets that I pay. I don't want that reminder that I broke the law. You know, I'd rather get rid of it. Once that fine is paid, well, Christ's blood paid that fine for you. So you're no longer under that. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. He does not remember it, guys. Once you confess that sin, that sin is in the lake of fire. Whatever that sin is and how many ever times you've done it in the past, once you confess the sin, it is gone. God does not remember it anymore. Okay, he himself has given himself divine amnesia. <laughs> remember that divine amnesia. He, he himself, he said, I'm going to have divine amnesia on your sin. So you confess the sin and then you forget it. But then sometimes your guilt stirs up again and say, oh, uh, what about that sin? And the Lord's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember the sin. Uh, what, what sin? I don't remember it. Why? Because he forgot it. Once he forgot it, it no longer exists. So why should we remember it? Well, anytime that guilt comes in, you need to say, you know what? I, I claim the blood and it's gone. No longer is it there. Um, yeah, amen. Let's move on. I know where I'm doing terrible on time. Anyway, the third point is accusation from Satan. The word Satan itself in, in the original language means accuser. That's his job. His job is to accuse you. Um, he does this all the time. Uh, how about Jackson Hurd? Could you read uh, Revelation 12, 10? Yes, he said 12, 10. Yeah. Twelve ten, <clears throat> And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers has been cast down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. He's the accuser. He accuses us before God day and night, day and night. So there he is, you know, uh, maybe Audrey does something. She sins immediately is before God. You see what Audrey did? You just, she just sinned. She just failed again. You deserve to kill her. You deserve to send her to the lake of heart. And, and then the Lord's like, nope, actually she's got the blood. She's, I see the blood on the doorpost. So sorry, pay, price is paid. Anyway, but he does this, accuses, accuses, accuses. This is what he does uh, with us. Uh, nothing cripples a Christian life uh, more than accusation from the enemy. Nothing. When you listen to Satan's accusations, you are powerless. Guys, he's not going to come to you in a pitchfork and a red suit and say, I'm here to excuse you, excuse you, right? He doesn't do that. He just comes in subtly, right? Speaking to you. Oh, you just blew it. You just blew it. Okay. So there's God's enlightening and then there's Satan's accusation. And we need to see the difference, right? Because yes, 
when we are in a certain situation, maybe the Lord would shed some light. And that light is good. It's lovely. We enjoy this light. God is God is light. And we don't want to dwell in darkness. So yes, God does enlighten us, but Satan accuses us. So what's the difference between enlightening and accusing? Well, there, there are some key differences. All right. You may write this down. This is, this is good. God's light is supplies you. God's light supplies you. Whereas Satan's accusation drains you. Okay. God's light supplies you. Satan's accusation drains you. When the Lord comes in, he doesn't come in and say, oh, Daniel, you blew it again. Oh, this and that. That's Satan. He's accusing. But God's way is of enlightening. And the response to, your, to God's enlightening is you feel, oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, I, I do want to give this matter to you. Lord, I'm struggling with this issue. But Lord, I love you more. Lord, help me. Lord, I want to come into your light. That's our response. Not when Satan's accusing, we just be like, oh, my goodness, I'm so hopeless. I'm bad. I'm just, I can't do this. And No, that is accusation. So God enlightens, Satan accuses. accuses. Okay, next thing is God speaking is very specific. Very specific. So those of us that are married, you know, we, we fail in this regard all the time. You know, maybe we speak to our wife in a very, uh, very, uh, being very short with them. Okay, so I'm short with my wife. I may say something ugly, and then I try to go and pray to the Lord, or I try to read my Bible, and immediately, just like that, right, something that says, Johnny, you shouldn't have spoken to your wife like that. You need to go and, and reconcile, be reconciled with her. You need to go ask her to forgive you. And of course, after the Lord, I would have to ask the Lord for forgiveness too. Very specific. Right? Why did you why did you joke around with Carlos like that? You shouldn't have said that. That was that was kind of you shouldn't say something like that. Very specific. Whereas Satan's accusation is just general. Have you ever gotten up feeling, I just don't feel good today? I just feel depressed and oh, I just feel it's just general. There's just this haze around you, right? You just don't know what is bothering you, but something is bothering you, right? That's Satan's way of just trying to. Uh, put in some kind of a dark cloud on you to keep you separated from God, right? So God's way is of enlightening a certain situation, and then the Lord, and then you would you would be aware of the situ situation. And mostly, I wouldn't say always, but mostly Satan's way is just in general, just in general to make you feel depressed, anxious. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm this. I'm that. All of those things. All those negative thoughts are not of God, right? God will only give you specific specifics, right? God is not very, he's very, he's a very detail-oriented person. Okay. After you confess your sin and you still feel uneasy, uh, it's like it's like having a nagging wife, right? Because you feel guilty even after, after there's still some accusation happening. But you have to remember the Lord has forgotten your sin. That sin does not uh, happen anymore. Uh, it's gone. God has forgotten it. So it's been dealt with. Even if it was a thousand times, say you lied a thousand times a day and you ask the Lord to forgive you a thousand times a day. Well, he will forgive you a thousand times a day because that is his righteousness. He sees the blood every time you sin. Every time. I don't care how much. Every time you sin, you see the blood, he forgives you. But you have to obviously confess your sin. Otherwise, there is a problem, right? 
Once you confess that sin, it's gone. At that time, when we are getting this nagging feeling from from someone from Satan, even after we've confessed our sin, at that point, we need to preach to Satan. We need to preach to Satan. We don't need to pray to the Lord. We can preach to Satan. We can say, I have confessed my sin to God. He has forgiven me, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from this sin. You just claim it. Even out loud, you claim it, right? I have been forgiven. The blood of Christ forgives me. Hallelujah. When you say that, you'll see the accusation is gone. No more accusation because you claimed it, right? And Satan will flee from you. He'll flee away. Okay, hallelujah. So, yeah, the last verse, I, I think we already read this was Revelation 12, 10. The accuser of our brother has been cast down. And I appreciate the fact that it says, and they overcame him because of what? Because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. How do we overcome Satan? We overcome him through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Okay. The first thing is the blood. The blood is all powerful. I appreciate that song we sang. There's power in the blood. There's power to cleanse us from sin. A nuclear bomb could not take away your sin, right? Your good behavior cannot take away the sin. The promise to do better will not take it away. Nothing on the earth can deal with your sin except the blood of Christ. So, But it's so easy. Once you know that, it's so easy. You just apply the blood. Lord, I confess. Lord, forgive me for doing this or that. Lord, I just claim your blood. Gone. The, the Lord does not want separation from you. He does not want separation from you, right? He does not want to be separated. Where are you, Adam? He's asking us today. Andrew Hall, where are you? Uh, I know you committed the sin. Okay, but all you got to do is confess the sin, and then we're back in fellowship again. He cares more about the fellowship than he cares about your sin. He doesn't care about your sin. He knows you're going to sin because you're fallen. You have the fallen human nature, and you're going to do that every day of your life probably. But, hallelujah, we can confess. We can get rid of that. We can get rid of Satan's accusation. We can get rid of the guilt. And we can be joined to God again for fellowship. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'll stop here so we can spend time in the groups.